Welcome uh, to another virtual gathering of the Kamloops Vineyard. Um, <laughs> it's like I want to say this program is brought to you by, I don't know who, who would be endorsing us right now. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's awesome to spend some time with you. There was kind of a last minute dash here about things that we were going to wear today, but uh, at least we're, we're some, semi-matched. They're somewhat coordinated here. <laughs> so how are you guys doing? Like, really, come on, chime in and say, be, you know, pleasantly honest about how things are going for you. Um, I've already been online with uh, some of you folks today. I've been having a few conversations, not online, online, but just on phone lines. And, uh, and yeah, I'm just really appreciative of people checking in and, yeah. Yeah, and sharing life with people. Um, yeah, unto us a son is given. This is like our first advent. First advent. Yeah, so we're, we're, yeah, we're excited to be bringing it. Um, what do you got to say to people today? Like, what do you feel like you need to say before, you know, I end up getting us off Track. topic? We're pretty it's just, I'm just thrilled that we even have this, the little um, bits that you guys type in, the hellos, yeah. actually just makes it feel like you're more, we're more in the same room, even though we're not. And, uh, yeah, I loved Brent and Bonnie's. I love you know, that. I, I, I held my breath a lot through some of it. Going, ah! <laughs> but it was real. It's family. And that's uh, what we want to be is family. It is family. And it's, yeah. And, it, and it's, uh, yeah. it's exactly what we want. Uh, yeah. Live, unedited, <laughs> unfiltered. <laughs> Welcome to the vineyard. Uh, this morning marks yet just another journey through Advent for us. Uh, that's what, that's what, uh, Today's session brings us, and um, not unlike the the three festivals in every year that saw the uh, the ancients, the Israelites, they used to journey to the temple. You remember that, Deb, to celebrate and worship in the temple in Jerusalem. Um, yeah. Um, you know, Torah laid that out for them. That was part of their their regular routine. Three times a year, they would pilgrimage to the temple. Uh, they would travel as family. They would travel as whole communities and go to the temple where they would they would both celebrate and worship God. Um, yeah, so, you know, on a, a really necessary rhythm. Well, the church celebrates a rhythm, and in the more orthodox church, and what we've done for a number of years now with our vineyard family is we've been... Um, we've been on our own journey to communally sort of lay down all of the other priorities that are going on in our life, which we're kind of being forced to lay down a lot of things anyways. We sure are. Um, and set our affections again on our one true hope. Um, and it seems uh, absolutely fitting in this season that we're doing this now. This time last year, we actually had a whole bunch more freedoms that we enjoyed that we, we don't sure did. have now. Um, through the centuries, the church has practiced Advent. They've practiced it as an annual awakening of our souls to a fullness. And Bonnie was, was uh, pointing to that in some of her conversation. She talked about pregnancy and being full. Um, that can look pretty crazy sometimes. <laughs> being full with pregnancy. 
Well, it, this Advent is like this sense that we need of awakening and an expectation that we are being called to live out. Like there is something great that is called the kingdom of God that lives inside of us, that we're being called to live out. We're being called into a narrative, into a story that uh, I'll point to a little later on as we get going. But um, again, it's a season where we come to prepare our hearts, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and to turn away from the distractions of this world. Yeah. Even if yeah. that means it's another, you know, pure later or FedEx delivery. I'm <laughs> keeping them in business this year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What will we do without that? Um, but it's also a time to resist the darkness that presses in from this present age. Um, I think that we could all say we felt a bit of that. And it's a, a time to live with some anticipation of this in-breaking presence of Jesus, uh, no matter how grim things may appear, right? Like just yeah. pressing into that, um, you know. Uh, I like what David Ruse uh, wrote in uh, our national director from the Vineyard when he was musing over Advent. And uh, and uh, he said that, you know, we've, we've sort of come to this place where we've been freed from the burden of buildings and programs. Um, and so much more that comes, and I add, that comes tumbling toward us, especially in this time of year. Like, it's, it's just different. It's a different kind of year. In this season, though, can we, can we make a determination to set our eyes on the promises of God? Um, and especially those that were fulfilled already with the birth of the world's Savior. So Advent celebrates a couple of things. Um, it celebrates both the coming of of the Christ King, the baby Jesus, but it also uh, celebrates the soon appearing of our of our King Jesus when He comes again. It it's sort of both of these things that are wrapped up in this season. Can we remind ourselves of the fullness that is is His promised Holy Spirit and life that now lives in us who believe? Like God has been faithful to send his Holy Spirit to us. Um, today's uh, session's all about God keeping his promises. And um, we could have called it faithfulness, the candle of faithfulness. We call it the candle of hope. hope. Um, yeah, we're putting our hope in this fact that our God is faithful. Um, can we not forget what I had said earlier, that Jesus is coming soon. He's coming again. And it's funny, as I, as I thought about that, I thought about the American gospel singer, a guy by the name of Andre Crouch. And he was a, he was a, he was a singer, songwriter. He was a, a, a publisher. He was a pastor. But uh, he wrote that song, Soon and very soon we are going to see the king. Do you remember that yeah, song? Yeah, I do. I remember that. I liked it. Do you remember singing that song? Yeah, I, I you know, I rem the first time I got introduced to that song was <laughs> was to a very charismatic group of older men, you know, probably older like my age now, when I was just a young 20-something year old and 
uh, I, I was like a brand new believer, and I can remember singing that song to the top of my lungs in amongst these men and really celebrating Jesus. And you know, as I think about that song, it, maybe it straddles a bit of what we're talking about here, but I can remember thinking about Jesus who is coming again. Soon, oh very soon, we'll see the King. And then I was also thinking about soon, very soon, we'll be with him in heaven. Like either, either or, I'm going to see the king soon, yeah. soon, very soon, we're going to see the king. Um, yeah, and so cool that you remember singing that song because it was probably with, with those same, that same bluebirds. Blue, the bluebirds. What, did they used to sing that? Oh, I can see you guys up there. Oh, really? Yeah. In the days of the United Church, I was, I was thinking that we used to sing that as a as a home group amongst a lot of young people and with. Oh right, yeah, that too. With Bill and Betty Ketchum, who are yeah our spiritual moms and dads, leading us in a rousing yep. chorus of "Soon and very soon we're going to see the King." Such a simple song, right? Such a simple song, but it was a song that it was intended to be sung with such joy and and anticipation of Jesus' return or our journey to be with him. I, yeah, like I said, I could never figure out which it was. Well, almost two weeks ago, let's get back to Advent because we could get carried off that way. Uh, Bonnie presented us with an outline to a children's illustrated uh, Advent theme, which is kind of how we've landed up here, (laughs) where we've landed up. Um, And... And she asked the question, is this something that could be used for all of us? In other words, could we bridge this as something that we share with our children and that we learn as adults so that there was kind of a a communal response to Advent? Um, And of course, maybe we were thinking that we would be meeting. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But here we are trying to pull off Advent and and, uh, teaching here online still. Uh, but she asked the question, what do you think? Is, is this scenario, is it, is it workable? And after sort of a, a deeper review of it on both of our parts, uh, she, Bonnie confessed, she said the theme seemed broad-reaching but, and maybe even a bit of a stretch, but nevertheless, perhaps it's, it's, it presented an interesting lens for us to look at Jesus through this Advent season. And so that's how we kind of landed it here. Um, I mean, that was good enough for me. She said she was game. Um, and, it, and it meant that we were going to have to dig deep into our scriptures and, and take the sort of necessary time that we need to carefully weave both what we sense the Holy Spirit saying and doing and God's word into our journey through this season. Um, um, so that it made it completely worth the effort. Right to unwrap yeah. all of these beautiful things, and as you know, uh, Bonnie loves a challenge. So, <laughs> yes, she does. She's—I mean, she's an astute gal, a great thinker and a writer, uh, and I think she saw an opportunity for us. So that's kind of how we've landed here, um, you know. And sort of by way of landing here, uh, Bonnie's actually got to take on next week's session, so she'll be she'll be addressing to you. Live, <laughs> I think probably. And one of your families will be doing the candle. And one of your families out there will be doing the the Advent candle lighting for us. Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, so you're going to read to us. I surely am. I'm going to read Isaiah nine, uh, verses six and seven. 
For unto us a child is born, unto a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So, okay, I've already gone off pages here. I've already gone outside. I'm drawing outside of the box because as I consider Advent, uh, this is a text that rushes to my imagination. Um, and especially as we consider this journey through Advent and maybe even our yeah, what is our theme through this season, which is unto us a son is given. Um, 700 years before the Christ child was to even appear, and I use that number roughly, right? Um, God's prophet to Israel was himself filled with the Spirit of God when he foretold of a time that was coming where everything would change. To us, a child would be born. To us, the son of our father in heaven would be given. Jesus comes as, uh, as, I, as I imagine this, he comes as this treasured, this gift to the world that, that needs to be unwrapped and examined. You know, it's a, you know unto us a son is given. I, I, I can't help but saying like, this is God's gift to humanity, the son Jesus. Yep. A king, and he comes, and he comes, Jesus comes to establish his father's kingdom here on the earth. It's like the gift that just keeps giving, right? Jesus ushers in the father's kingdom, uh, a rule that is marked by peace in our hearts. Uh, how are you guys doing? Have you got peace ruling in your hearts? Uh, do you know the difference when it's not? I do. I do. And not only just ruling in our hearts, but as manifest peace ruling here on the earth, we long to see the peace of God, the peace of Christ ruling here on the earth, in our, in our nations, and amongst peoples, in our streets, right? And of the increase of his government, he prophesies, there will be no end. That's, that's like an incredible promise to me. I look for that. I look for the unveiling, the revealing of his promises. Today we've lit the candle of hope. That was the candle that we lit. We almost lit a lot more than that. <laughs> but maybe we could just, as I say, have called this a candle of faithfulness. In other words, God is faithful. God keeps his promises. Jesus is our living proof of exactly that. He is um, he is the introductory focus of Paul's letter in the Corinthian church. And here's, see, I'm getting back on track on the things that, Good boy. Uh, the outlines that I was given to work with. But he is the focus of Paul's letter to the Corinthian church in his introduction. And, uh, and the featured text for today's journey is taken from there, which means it's in your hands. That sure is. First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter one verses two to nine. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be His holy people, together with all those everywhere who called on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and of 
and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. Before, for in him you have been enriched in every way, in all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus conforming our testimony about Christ among you, therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful and faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I love that. Let's, you know, listen, you take that promise with you to the bank. Verse eight, what does that say there? What does it say? He will... He will keep you firm. Oh, yeah. Here it is. <laughs> he will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. He who's called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is faithful. I, I love that. I love that. God is faithful. Look to my son. Look to my son. You know, yeah, I'm just going you know, to just walk right away from the notes, but... You take a couple of scenes, you know, out of the New Testament uh, of Peter, James, and John. They've gone up the they've gone up the mountain with Jesus to pray, and Jesus has this like full on heavenly encounter <laughs> with Moses and Elijah, and and they're looking at all of this going down, and the, the radiance and the glory of Jesus has has shifted and changed it says his clothing was like lightning it was it yeah i mean i don't even know how you know the author would even try to figure out how to describe what they've seen but in that in the commotion of all of that you know god discloses his pleasure in his son and he invites peter and the boys to be quiet and to listen to him. Um, God's focus is on his son, and he sees the goodness that is coming from his son. He sees his kingdom being revealed through his son, and his encouragement to us is, is keep your faith, keep your faith on, keep your focus on my son, keep it on me. I, I, I'm faithful to answer all of your prayers, to, to deal with all of your needs. Keep your focus on my son, Jesus. Here in the introduction of his letter to God's own holy people, um, Paul, man, there can be absolutely no doubt about the central concern of his message. And, you know, if you were to take a highlighter and go through, you know, the, the first, you know, nine verses of his letter to the Corinthian church, uh, eight times, over nine verses in his letter, Paul couldn't stop talking about Jesus. He keeps, he keeps mentioning him. He keeps proclaiming him. Because without Jesus, there's nothing else that he said or that he did that he believed made any sense at all. Right? Right? See, only, you know, only a couple of, only a few paragraphs later in the second chapter of uh, Corinthians, he, he says this. He says, I didn't, I didn't come to you. I didn't use lofty words or impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. <laughs> Which some of us actually would like to know his secret plan. Well, 
Well, there's, but I don't. There is no secret plan. There is not. He says, I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Like, Jesus is the secret plan, and he's not meant to be kept a secret. Like, he's it. He's it. Like, Paul was an astute man. He was well-educated, well-versed. And, and Paul, instead, he, he comes to the Corinthian people who loved wisdom. They really parked themselves on that and actually prided themselves in it. But he said he came with just a simple message, and that was Christ and him crucified. Um, a snapshot of Corinth and its history suggested that the majority of that church, um, they were comprised of Jews who had, who had converted over to, uh, to being Messianic believers. In other words, uh, recognizing that Jesus was the promised Messiah that they were expecting. In fact, the book of Acts, I think it's around the 18th chapter, tells us that Paul uh, received quite the opposition, in fact, from the Jews of the area who lived in that city. And as I read that story earlier on, it, it, you know, they, they dragged him before the, you know, the magistrates of the city and they demanded that they deal with this Paul who was inciting um, heresy as far as they were concerned, right? And they wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> Jesus, or Paul's, Jesus didn't really affect their authority or their power that they saw, and they, and they wouldn't have anything to do with it. The church, of course, was still largely filled with ordinary pagans. <laughs> you know, people who were, were coming to Christ, but who were, were not necessarily Jewish. They came from a myriad of backgrounds. I mean, it was a port city, which meant there were a lot of different people with different cultural backgrounds there. You knew that, of course, right? Yeah, I was thinking port city. I'm thinking they didn't have water there to port the cruise ship in. <laughs> well, they had, yeah, they actually, <laughs> Anyhow. they had quite the merchandise business going on. Lots of trade would flow through that yeah. city. There was a lot of money there. Um, but see, these people had been persuaded. They'd been impacted by the message of Jesus and by an outstanding, I'm going to just say that again, an outstanding work of God's power through Paul's ministry. And I believe, and as we see actually, not just I believe it, but as we see in scripture, through that fledgling family of new believers, like God's spirit was, was, was really rocking the boats there. It was, you know, there was an amazing display of God's, uh, Paul uses it in his word, God's grace on them all. Like it, it didn't, see, it seemed like they were, you know, that they were never lacking God's grace or his supply of, of gifts and the Holy Spirit. You know, the ministry was, was, you know, they were on fire. But their faith lacked, as you read further on in the letter, and we're not going to get into that, but it lacked an understanding of the bigger narrative, of God's bigger story. Um, they were still... They were still laboring with worldly thinking. Um, they, were, they were influenced on some level by the culture that surrounded them, by the culture that they were coming out of. They were surrounded by a society that practiced damaging sensual and sexual enterprises 
uh, uh, false god pursuits. Uh, um, and as I mentioned before, they, they esteemed the intellectuals. They, they put the intellectuals on a pedestal. And, and, they, and they had a huge, um, heavily, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, partiality towards the rich and, and the powerful. Uh, am I exaggerating? No, I'm not exaggerating. Like, uh, read, read Paul's account about their instruction around the Lord's Supper. Um, they, were, they were overlooking the poor. And Corinth was a city of noted wealth and dire poverty, which wasn't unusual from the Roman uh, kingdom. But because there was such wealth in that city and it attracted so many people, there was a lot of disparity between the two. And these forces were still at work. Uh, as we read in the letter, they were still lulling the church into deep divisions and to uh, excesses in their celebrations. Paul wants them and he wants us to have Jesus at the center of our understanding of this world that we live in and at this time of history that we're in. Um, there's a lot of people that want to tell you what they think is going on right now. Yeah, uh, they do. Uh, we want to want to want to hear and know from Jesus Himself uh, just where we are at in all of this. But without an awareness of that history and the story of God's kingdom that is still present, like, did you do we all know that that the kingdom of God is at hand? If we're not aware of that, we're we're going to have troubles. Right? We, won't, we won't be looking. Do we know that that kingdom is still advancing? Uh, um, it's easy to be distracted in, in this world, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, distracted from joining God's advance. In fact, there's so many things that we can be busying ourselves with. Um, well, it's, it's hard sometimes to just set those things down, right? Like what? Well, I could entertainment would be one, right? Yeah. Right. You know, think about the time that we're in. Actually, I mean, it's pretty crazy. I mean, of course, you know, sales for you know, and the stock prices for Netflix and everything else is probably going off the charts right now. But, um, but, but you know, our 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 entertainment theaters are are hardly seeing anyone. Uh, our entertainers, right? That filled once filled stadiums. Yeah. That uh, filled. They're not allowed right now. You know that filled dance halls, that filled pubs, that you know, all of these things. Our sports arenas, all of these things are being silenced right now to a large degree. I have noticed though some artists are doing online, and you buy tickets to watch them. Okay. But it's sure different, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we feel the difference yeah. when we're not, you know, standing and addressing, a, you know, a, a larger group of people. And we're sitting here in this dynamic, trying to connect with people online. Um, we feel that. But, but just think about the whole, the whole industry around the world has been stifled and shut down to a degree, you know. What was? Maybe the... Uh, Maybe the prophesied tambourines of Babylon have been silenced. Where is your dancing, Babylon? Like, where, 
Yeah, I'm getting carried away now. See? Stay on track. <laughs> Staying on track. This journey through Advent, it's our resolve uh, to both personally and to corporately commit ourselves to a movement that recognizes the rest and the peace of God's abiding spirit. Um, I think I noted that at the front end about the, you know, that importance to recognize God's peace and at rest, you know. It always, it isn't necessarily always in the biggest show or no. the thing that makes the most noise. It's, it's or the, the greatest fanfare, right? You know, I mean, Paul talks about his own encounters in the spirit. He actually talks third person and he says, I could talk about all of these things, but I'd rather talk about Jesus, right? Uh, I'd rather talk about him. Can we have a conversation about him? Advent invites us to commit ourselves to a movement that depends on a love and a power that flows from the Father, through his Son, and out into the world through his holy people. That You can read that in the text that we've given here today his plan God's ultimate plan has always been to glorify himself through his son yeah that's that's his big plan right and then Jesus plan get this is to reveal his glory through his people through his church through you and I through our lives what do you think of that plan that's the secret plan yeah, because it, excuse me, the church is not the building, the church is us. Yeah, Paul, got, Paul was getting this, right? It wasn't all at once. Like, you got to understand, you know, we, we, get to, we get to gnaw and we get to uh, chew on, uh, you know, some incredible pieces of writing from Paul in our New Testament. You know, he wrote, he wrote over a third of the New Testament, like he's... He's penned a lot of stuff for us. He's thought a lot of things through. He's observed the work of the Holy Spirit. He's experienced the grace of God in his own life. Like he's had a lot of heart operations of the Spirit, so to speak, and changes that have changed him and transformed him. It wasn't, it was, yeah, there was an overnight wake-up call when he got knocked off the horse and had this encounter with the Jesus that he was persecuting. But it was a process of years of change in his thinking of things that he thought he knew. And then it was his, his uh, observation of the work of God that he experienced while he ministered in Jesus' name. It was through things that he suffered that he learned about the depth and the love of God, you know? And, uh, you know, it's, it's from guys like Paul that said, I, I've, learned, I've learned the answer of contentment in times of plenty or in times of great need, and it's found in Christ. <laughs> he has a singularity of heart and mission in what he's sharing. We've been made holy. That's what he does say here in this piece of scripture that we have today. We've been made holy through Christ Jesus to continue in the work that he's given us. But we've also have that continual work uh, of sanctification, of a, uh, a work of the Holy Spirit that is transforming and changing us from glory to glory. Doesn't feel like that all the time. <laughs> but 
No, but he is. But yeah, so there's a transformation. Um, and we've been set aside for special purposes, right? Do you, do you feel that sometimes? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think we don't need to strive to look for that. I think God will just show that to us as we just rest in him, mm-hmm. find our peace in him. Yeah, that, that's sometimes a lot of work, just finding our peace in him, hey? Like things can't upset our, oh, they can. our peace. <laughs> yeah, they can. Um, but there's... But that's where we're, I mean, we have Jesus, but that's where we need some good friends too to just go, blah, 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 help. Help, blah, 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 help. I like that one. <laughs> yeah, it, you know what? We need one another. And, yeah. You know, that's, that's what we find out. We need one another. Um, listen, and there's an expectation uh, in Paul's letter. There's an expectation from God that we're going to work with him, that we're going to cooperate with our Father and his work, right? Um, but it takes the grace of God, it, 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 and it takes a... a an open-handedness, right, with us and a, and a continual yielding to God's leading in our lives. Um, I've often heard it said in, in some of my conversations with, with uh, uh, vineyard leaders down in the U.S., some of the guys that I've, you know, I've been connecting with uh, as they talk about even discipleship and they talk about so much of the, the nature of discipleship is learning to hear God. And then the other part of that is just being obedient to the things that we've heard God ask us to do. (laughs) So great if you hear God, but you know, now you've got to act on the things sometimes that he's asked you to act on. Um, You know, so it it involves our open handedness, our open heartedness, our continual yielding. And sometimes it includes a bit of an awakening uh, in, of areas in us that are slumbering in the spirit, you know, we have we you all say wake up. Yeah, go. Yeah, I did say wake up a few weeks ago, but it, but it is yeah, and and probably I refer in part to that. There is an awakening that's going up. That is our journey through Advent. It's awakening, an awareness that is waking up inside of us. So. And it's an awakening to his purposes, his purposes. Just like the Corinth church, we're being invited to see that we are a part of something much larger, a much larger and growing family of brothers and sisters who collectively call upon the name of the Lord. He uses that, that, that terminology here in the opening stands. People who collectively call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Calling on his name, that's a sign that says that we're in the membership of this family. It's like, Papa, Daddy, Jesus. You know, it is this common call that comes out of us. It's this idea that is rooted to family and rooted to the nation of Israel who were, who were the people who were called, who called upon the name of the Lord Yahweh. That's, that's how they're referred to in in sections of the Old Testament. It's, it's this bit of idea that we are called to something so much greater. God set Israel apart to be a holy nation and a, and a family of God's people who were uniquely set apart to, to be a blessing in the world. Um, Jesus came as a fulfillment to that purpose. 
And then Jesus came as Israel's long-awaited king and the world's savior. But we must never forget seeing that the long plan of God is to save and redeem all of us from sin and to bring us back into the kingdom of the son that he loves. It's beautiful. Jesus has ushered in his kingdom here on the earth. And now he calls us in, not as just individuals, but as a family, right? Yeah. To lean into his purposes here on the earth. So what on earth does that look like? So, you know, so it's a lot of, you know, high-minded kind of thinking and thoughts. Okay, well, what, is that, what does that look like? Uh, you know, are we able to recognize and see God at work in our lives? And um, you and I talked about this. And, um, I, you know, I, I, want, I thought I would talk about just one example that I've seen from amongst our, our own vineyard family. And we, we see lots. Yeah, we they're, do. You we know, see lots. Um, we see lots uh, at play and at work through uh, all of you in our vineyard family. But one of those persons that really stood out to me is Naomi Hay. And uh, uh, like many of you, I've been receiving prayer requests and hearing the updates from Naomi Hay and the Treasures of God Children's Home in Guatemala. Uh, it factors big in our lives, just in terms of, of our connectedness to it, just inside February of this year. Can you imagine it was inside this year that we were down there? It feels like a long feels time. It feels a lot longer than that. <laughs> We've been having so much fun in lockdown. Yeah, no. Uh, but it was February of this year that Debbie and I visited Naomi with Barkley and Alita West. Uh, and it was the first time that we were ever in Guatemala. It was the first time that we were able to get down and see Naomi in her, her place of... In her, in her home. In her own. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's come to the church yeah. and shared and hung out with us here in Kamloops, but we've not. Yeah, yeah to be there on, on the ground zero was, was yeah. wonderful. To, uh, to meet the girls and the staff of, of the children's home there, uh, yeah, unbelievable. It was, it was uh, like an important and a glorious uh, connection oh, was with, really good. with them all. And I, I hope you guys are listening, and uh, we just think you guys are amazing, but I'm not done talking about you. Uh, in our financial update to the church through this week, we included a, a small photo uh, of all the girls and staff um, and, a, and, a, and a message that reminded and thanked all of you, our Vineyard family, for their generous support of this family. Uh, as, I, as I've shared in, uh, in person with Naomi and I have shared with all of you are Vineyard family at some point in time. Um, I look at this family with, with big, wide-open eyes. I, I see a family in Guatemala that has blossomed to become one of the most, and I use this word, courageous expressions of God's love for children and family that I know. One of them, but certainly an extraordinary one that we, are, you know, that we have some personal engagement to. Uh, it's a ministry that was birthed right out of the heart of God. I believe that. And, and through Naomi's compassion, that's how it came out. <laughs> she can't talk about these girls, can't talk about Guatemala and what she's called to without just great compassion coming up in her for those Guatemala children and for their society and culture that is 
really that is largely overlooked, right? The unseen. Well, she sees them. And as I have uh, looked to you, Naomi, um, if you're watching us, uh, I, I believe that I am seeing the wisdom and the kingdom of God being played out through you, through your staff and through your children and through all of the, and, and let me go on here, through all of the churches, the business people and those individuals who have come alongside the children to help support this ministry. Like it is, it's a, it's a big, it's a big parade of people that I see when I consider this ministry. Um, Nine months ago, we stood on an open property. Remember that? In, in Guatemala. In Guatemala, yeah. 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 And, and that in itself actually <laughs> represented an amazing gift to the ministry, right? Yeah. Uh, this property had come available, and it had come at the right price. And, you know, would the landowner hold on to it? I mean, there were a lot of... <laughs> a lot of hoops to jump through. There was money that needed to be put together. I mean, it was just amazing how that all came together. That was nine months ago. So we're walking on wow. this this land. And and yeah, I think we even had a time of prayer over that land and just in, you know, taking it all in. But inside this week, I looked at the pictures of a completed wall and an installed entrance doors that open up to a to this cleaned up property, all ready to begin building homes wow, eh? on the interior of it. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. And there's a masked Naomi standing there <laughs> for her photo op. I'm not sure why you had the mask on, but it was impressive nonetheless. <laughs> and celebrating the completion of the compound security wall and entry system. And then it, and then it hit me as I thought about it here this morning. Um, I was thanking God and I was thanking uh, with you, Naomi, the hard work that the construction company had put to the wall. And, and I, you know, when I looked at your address, you know, this proclamation that the wall's been built, it's been done. Like there's something absolutely astounding here. And you're receiving the gates to the gate that opened the keys to the gate. Yeah, the keys to the gate that open that up for you. I, that, I mean, that is, that's profound. And, and also, to begin building the, the actual building, they actually needed a fence around the property for protection yeah. first. So that's done. They can start on the next phase. Yeah, and that was the proclamation. Now we can actually begin stepping closer. And I put this in big parentheses to living on that promised land, right? Yeah. It was just a dream. I remember when it was just a dream with Naomi as she was trying to consider what God might do for them. And here we are. Um, now, I've, I've reflected deeply about the faithfulness of God. I've, I've talked about, I, I believe, the faithfulness of Naomi to what God's asked her to do. Uh, she hasn't done it alone. But there's plenty of times she felt pretty lonely, hey? Yeah. Uh, I thought of her multiplied friends and the believers from Canada, from the U.S., from Central America, and probably other places around the world. I, I marveled 
over the 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 faithfulness actually of Naomi's staff when we were there on location, and I, I I fell head over heels in love with the kids and their faith, and the healing that we've seen take place in their lives yeah. in the ministry, and the love that I've seen evidenced in their children. I mean, I'm still I'm still a bit gobsacked when I consider Marcy praying. I was just thinking the same thing. Praying for our supper. I mean it. <laughs> it is so amazing to see the kingdom of God yeah. being led by children. I love it. Uh, uh, are we not? Are we not seeing uh, the kingdom of God and the rule of Jesus expanding? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so whether you're praying with Lee and Giesleth through this week for their uncle Angie in Ontario, who who has successfully navigated corrective surgery and two stint replaces and and at his age, that was a big deal. But we've, we've got this to be excited about it. Or we're learning about baby Mason, who uh, is now up to four pounds, right? And is almost entirely off all of the life supportive and monitoring equipment. And weeks, maybe a couple weeks closer now to moving from the mainland to our local hospital, you know? These are, these are things where we have to praise God and thank God for them and, and recognize that God's at work. Yeah. God's faithfully at work. And if you're, if you're looking for Jesus and, and actively praying with the corporate body to see him move, you will not be disappointed. We have not been disappointed. Like, yeah, there are stories. Yeah, there are stories. Stories of healing. Uh, stories of watching people in this time going deeper things pains in their heart are getting healed by god yeah, yeah. so listen if you uh you personally have been touched by god you have personally had somebody close to you touched by god you've had yeah. specific answers to prayer we want to hear from you like uh uh push out a text to us push out a stick the phone on record and push out something that we can um you know, that we can take in and share as a testimony for others. Uh, just talk about the faithfulness of God. Spread it around. Yeah. He's at work. He's at work. God is faithful to keep his promises. God loves his children, and he loves his family. This is some of the stuff I took home as I thought about Naomi, and, I, and we've watched God work. He knows no bounds when it comes, for, comes to his love for us. Um. Have we got problems in the church? Are the big C church? I would think so. <laughs> sure, we got problems. But don't be focused on those things. Be looking to Jesus. Be looking to God who is faithful and who will always show himself faithful. And pray. And pray. He's trustworthy. Paul's opening address to the Corinthians isn't focused on the problems of, that the church is experiencing. That's not how he starts the letter. He'll get into some of that. But instead, he's reminding that God has called them in the past. God has equipped them with everything they need in their present future, like where they are at in their, in their present life. And God will bring everything to completion in the future. So just like a, a, a runner who's sprinting on a track and is leaning forward to go faster, and to press into that finish line even quicker, God calls us to lean in towards His finishing line. 
and he's eagerly waiting to reveal Jesus to us in that place. God's choice for king is being revealed. 